check. One, two, hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me now? Check, check, hello, hello. Check one, two, check one, two, three, four. Check one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 6, <laughs> Congratulations to those who were elected or re-elected to congressional office last week. Thank you for taking these opportunities to serve the Lord. Lexington Historical Society meets tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Eddie Cozart will be the guest speaker.
can see and hear me okay now. So, this morning we're doing things uh, a little different because no one is here but me, all dressed up with no place to go. But anyway, praise the Lord, we're here, we're going to continue on, this being our fourth Sunday uh, sermon, I'm going to carry on with our uh, 13 Lessons in Christian Doctrine by Denver Sizemore, uh, and this is a series on Back to the Basics. So <clears throat> we'll open up here with a word of prayer, and then we will get started. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of being here in your house. Lord, uh, we know that many are snowed in this morning, and so we just pray that you will bless them in their homes where they are, keep them warm, keep them safe. And Lord, we pray above all that you watch over us and no falls, no spills, no broken bones. Please, Lord, help us to be wise, be careful, and to give you the glory for all things. Lord, I ask you this morning as I bring this message that you will uh, take my feeble words and through the Holy Spirit and the power of your word, the power of the Holy Spirit, use this to touch hearts and change lives for your glory. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> We're talking uh, about the names of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he is the Son of God. Then we began talking about the titles that indicate his work and position. And we talked about Jesus, our Savior. We've talked about Jesus... Uh, as our Lord, and now we are going to get into Jesus as our mediator. So with that, let's get right into it. The term mediator <coughs> suggests one that is a go-between for two parties. It implies that the two parties are hostile, are hostile to or at variance with each other, and this mediator is endeavoring to bring them into harmony and agreement. The scriptures teach that a man in sin is at enmity with God, alienated from him and without hope. Christ came and died that he might make peace between God and man, whether Jew or Gentile, and in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, according to Ephesians 2.16. Christ died on the cross in order to remove the great barrier between God and man, and that is sin. By accepting Jesus offered forgiveness through the gospel, man may be re reconciled and be at one with God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Christ alone. Christ alone was qualified to remove this barrier <clears throat> since he alone was without sin. No one could die for another's sins while he had sins of his own. It is also true that Jesus alone can be a mediator between God and man. Paul says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, 
the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, according to 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus states, no one comes to the Father except through me in John 14.6. A mediator should have knowledge of both sides and be connected for the welfare of each party. Jesus existing in the form of God before he came to the earth fully understood God's side. He came to earth that he might know and understand man's side. Now he is the perfect and only mediator between God and man. Now we'll look at Jesus as our prophet When the work of Jesus is viewed in its broad sweep, excuse me, it divides itself generally into three offices which he fulfills, prophet, priest, and king. The prophet in the Old Testament was a man who spoke forth for God. Amos said he was not a prophet by training or the son of one but was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. But Jehovah took me from following the flock, and Jehovah said to me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore, hear thou the word of Jehovah. This Amos seven fourteen through 16. The prophets were forth-tellers, speaking God's message for the present time, and need. They were also foretellers, predicting events yet to come. <clears throat> the Old Testament points unmistakably to one great prophet who would come to be God's spokesman on earth. In Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses revealed that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. From among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Peter informs us that this prophet was Jesus in Acts 3 19 through 26. Hebrews 1 1 and 2 states that God had in other times communicated his message to man through many channels. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Jesus came to be the divine teacher and revealer of God's will for man. As God's prophet, Jesus spoke authoritatively that the people might know that he spoke for God. The multitudes were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, because he does, and not as their scribes, according to Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Yet he spoke simply and clearly that all men might understand. You know, I hear people a lot say, I don't read my Bible much because I can't understand it. Well, you know, uh, that's not a good way to say things. It's not a good way to put it because it is written in such a way. Intentionally, God did not withhold his message from us. He put it in plain language so that we could understand it. The problem, I think, more often is that we don't want to dedicate the time and the digging in to make sure we do understand. Uh, So we need to work more 
on that because when I hear people say I can't understand, I know that the devil is involved in, in their prayer time and, and in their uh, Bible study time. He's trying to make you fall asleep while you're reading the Word. He's trying to make it dull and boring while you're reading the Word. He's trying to make you convinced that it doesn't make sense. But if you keep reading and keep reading and keep reading, and you read from front to back over and over, I guarantee you it will begin to make sense, especially when you do it with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to guide you through all truths. So Jesus came that all men might understand. He spoke clearly and simply. The common people heard him gladly, according to Mark twelve thirty-seven. All agreed, even his enemies, never man so spake. The prophetic ministry of Jesus was carried on by the Holy Spirit, whom he sent after he returned to heaven. Jesus told his disciples the night before he died. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. That's John 14, 26. When we read the New Testament, we can accept it with faith and full assurance that it is God's message for us. Jesus, God's great prophet, he, he said, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me, John seven sixteen. I'm telling you what I have been, uh, what I have seen in the Father's presence, and that's John eight thirty eight. Now we see Jesus as our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. A priest was a minister or leader of any religion, whether heathen or biblical. The high priest was the leader among the priests. In Hebrews, Jesus is referred to ten times as our high priest. Christ is pictured as the true high priest of which Aaron was a type. All Christians are priests. His duties as expressed in Hebrews 5.1 were every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. The function of the high priest under the Mosaic period was to lead in the temple worship of Jehovah and to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Aaron, being human and therefore a sinful high priest, had to first offer a sacrifice for himself and that of his family for their own sins. Then he would... Uh, he would a second time go a second time into the Holy of Holies, sprinkling blood on the mercy seat for the sins of Israel, the entire nation. By this act, the sins of Israel were rolled forward year by year until Christ should come, the Lamb of God, to completely take away the sins of the people. Wow, what a blessing. What a God we have. What love he has for us. Our Lord, our Savior, our God. Jesus has come. He has come to fulfill the role and take on the wrath of God 
because man fell in the garden and we've all been guilty of sin. The scripture's clear. Anyone who says he's not sinned is a liar. (laughs) Uh, I didn't say that. God did. And so we all have to come to Christ. We all need to recognize that we need a Savior and that he is the only one qualified to be our Savior because of what he has done for us. And we need to humble ourselves before him. We need to confess our sins, our sinfulness. And then we need to ask him to cleanse us. We repent. We turn away from. We say, no, this is not working for me. Every time I do this, it just makes my life worse. So now I'm going to turn from those evil, wicked, bad things. Some things are not even evil or wicked. They're just time consumers. They steal our time away from worshiping God, away from spending time with him. In other words, we do what's good at the cost of what is best. And so we need to be careful with that. But once we accept Christ, once we repent, we ask God to cleanse us, to forgive us, to come into our heart and be our Savior. And boy, our life changes. Our hearts change and our way of thinking changes. He changes us from the inside out. Jesus was commissioned as high priest. In Hebrews 5, uh, 4 through 6, the writer records that Jesus was made a high priest by God himself. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And he has in another place, he says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. David had known this and stated it in Psalm 110, verse 4. We have already stated that Jesus is our prophet, high priest, and king. It is interesting to note that Jesus is not a high priest after the order of Aaron. Aaron was from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. The New Testament writers make much of the fact that Jesus was of the house and lineage of David. Several places in the scripture. How could Jesus be a high priest and come from the tribe of Judah, which was the kingly tribe? The answer is to be found in the fact that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the superior of Abraham and both king of Salem or king of peace and priest of God, according to Hebrews 7, 1 through 4. Second was his preparation. Jesus' preparation or training to be our high priest began when he left the glories of heaven and came to earth to become one with those he represents. Hebrews 2.14 reveals that Jesus was a partaker or sharer in flesh and blood in the same manner that we are. In Hebrews 4.15, his preparation continues as he is tempted in all points just as we are yet without sin. 
A part of his training for this great office is seen in Hebrews 5.8, where we read that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Thus, being made perfect are complete as our high priest. In order to properly mediate between God and man, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Praise God. Apart from having sin, there is nothing in human experience that is unknown to him. Today, as our faithful and merciful high priest, he ministers before God on behalf of his people who are compassed uh, by sin and infirmity. Three is his offering. When Aaron made atonement for the sins of Israel under the old covenant, he used the blood of bulls and goats. For a sacrifice. But Jesus, our high priest, offered his sacrifice to God. He offered himself. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. From the scriptures, we note these facts. First, the tabernacle in which Christ offered his sacrifice was not a tent in the wilderness or a temple in Jerusalem. The atonement was made not in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem, but in heaven itself before the presence of God, according to Hebrews 9.24. Second, his altar of sacrifice was not the brazen one in the temple court, but a rude cross on Golgotha's hill. Third, his sacrifice was not the blood of goats and calves, but rather his own precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He is the sacrifice and the sacrificer, both at the same time. Fourth, the effect of his sacrifice, the effect of Aaron's sacrifice on the Day of Atonement merely made remembrance year by year. It did not take away sin, according to Hebrew 10.4. However, when Jesus offered his sacrifice, he did not need to offer himself year by year, or he would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But uh, But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 9.26. Jesus offered once for all the perfect sacrifice that brought to an end animal sacrifice and put away sin forever, having made possible eternal redemption through his blood. Now we will talk about Jesus as our king. 
Jesus as our king. Jesus was predicted to be a king. The third great office of Christ, that of being king, was prophesied by Jeremiah. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Jeremiah 23, 5 and Zechariah 6, 13. You can find those words. His kingship came from God, but through the lineage of King David. Gabriel tells Mary he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Luke 1.32 God had promised David that one would come from his seed that would establish a kingdom that would last forever. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. And this is fulfilled in Jesus. Christ uh, claimed to be a king. After his baptism, he began preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In Matthew 16, 28, Jesus predicted, Some who are standing here will not taste of death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, if it's his kingdom, he's the king. While, uh, when Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? He said, Yes, it is as you say. Luke 23, 3. Now, the nature of his kingdom. Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world. In John 18, 36, Jesus informs Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. In, in, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus informs Pilate, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, according, according to Romans uh, 14, 17, and Hebrews 1, 8, 9. Christ is indeed a king. He is the king of truth, king of salvation, king of peace, king of righteousness. His rule is over the hearts of men for the great purpose of saving their souls. The length of his rule. Gabriel told Mary he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Praise God. <laughs> That's Luke one thirty three. Peter urges all Christians to be diligent in making their calling and election sure. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Christ, 2 Peter 1.11. Christ is in his mediatorial reign now as he seeks to redeem lost mankind. He shall continue to reign in eternity. Then we shall see the many diadems upon his head and shall, bow, shall know that he is truly King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 9 12 and 16. So we see here the significance, the importance of Jesus. We need him as our savior. We cannot save ourselves despite our efforts. You know, I can remember a time in my life when I decided that 
you know, I was going to clean up my life. I was going to clean up my act. I was going to stop using all the foul words. And I was going to stop, uh, you know, I was going to stop being uh, what I thought of as a bad person. Uh, I was going to stop using drugs. I was going to stop being mean to people. I was, you know, I was just going to clean up my life and then go to church. <laughs> that didn't work. It never works, folks. We can be as determined as we want to be, but we cannot change the core of our nature. Only Jesus and his blood and the cleansing of that blood can do that. That's why Jesus is so important. So many today have turned their backs on God. So many are worshiping false gods and they don't even know it. They are fallen into the snare, into the trap of the devil, and they are living lives that is self-destructive. And they come to a point at some, some place in their life where they realize that what they're doing is self-destructive. And it's sad because many of them are unable to find a way out. They can never, they think, go to Christ because they've been so evil he won't accept them that's a lie from the pit of hell he can forgive any sin he forgave all sin of every person he died for every sin of every person forever and he's just waiting for us to come to him and say Lord I need you Lord I'm sorry Lord change me from the inside out help me to live a life that honors you help me to be obedient help me to study your word to learn what it says so that I can be what you want me to be you know the army has that slogan be all you can be well when you join up with Jesus and you become a member of his army and he wants us to be all we can be in righteousness and holiness for God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for these few words, for these few moments. I pray, Lord, that you will bless every word, that you will touch hearts and change lives as only you can. Lord, we pray that if there are those out there who are in need, if there are those out there who are suffering, and looking for answers. I pray, Lord, that whatever it takes, send someone to them, appear to them, let someone drop a Bible in their hands, then smile and say, Jesus loves you. Lord, just help us to be representatives for you. Lord, bless everyone that could not be here this morning, and I pray this message will get to them and they will be blessed. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks, that's it for today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us here on Lexington Christian Church's uh, regular worship service. I pray that you will have a, a, a blessed day and a blessed week. God bless you. Hmm.